uh, there's these things that happen, you know, in our life, in our world uh, that have the tendency and the ability to shape us, you know. I, you probably instantly are thinking about a few things, um, things that we do, or many times uh, we, we do things and we can point back to a time or a season in our life and be like, that's why, okay? Like, that's why this happens. Uh, so, like, one of the things I instantly think of, the things that made a difference in my life is like, okay, having kids, all right? Those of you that had kids, you're like, everything, not some things, but everything is different. Like, I can't walk out, you know, I can't just get my car and drive somewhere now. You got to, you got to, like, get the baby and put him in the car, right? That's important. Don't leave the baby. Uh, but, I mean, you got a diaper bag, you got bottles, you got wipes, you got to make sure that you're restocked on all those things. You got to have a change of clothes, you got to have snacks, you got to have food, you got to have all of it. You know, and it's no longer just go. And then, oh, the second that you go, uh, you got to go change the diaper. So you got to bring them back in. You, you haven't even left yet, you know. One thing that changes everything. By the way, kids is great. Kids are great, you know. Um, uh, uh, one thing, uh, took my wife to the airport a couple weeks ago. And there's something that is different than what it used to be. Um, you can't, I can no longer uh, watch her get on the plane, right? Why? Because security, TSA, 9-11 happened. So some of you may not even remember that, where you used to be able to, you know, walk with your boo right up to the gate, you know, watch him get on the plane. But now, now as far as you can watch him, you can watch him go get patted down. You're like, ah, my, my last memory before you left. You know, <laughs> someone else. Um, but, uh, you know, for some, for some people, you know, it could be a little more serious. Like, it was a, a decision uh, to go to church, and you, you encountered Jesus, and it changed everything. The trajectory of your family has completely... A lot of you guys have a point in the past where that was your story, and things are different now because of something, all in light of, of, of that decision. Maybe you took a job you weren't sure about. A lot of you guys are here because uh, military, and, and, and we find a lot of people were in the military, and they stick here, you know, and um, that was a decision you made, and now your life looks completely different in light of that decision. Um, now, maybe a little more um, somber is... Everybody here has lost someone they loved, right? And um, that's changed you. And so uh, your life is shaped today uh, in part uh, due to the, some of the losses that you've experienced. And so uh, that's the way that the early church was, that, that they functioned, okay? The early church was with Jesus, that this Jesus event changed and shaped everything for this new and upcoming church. You know, Jesus people are popping up everywhere. And last week as we talked about the, the good news about Jesus uh, was spreading. And, and, and so that's where we're at in the story of God today. Okay, so the series we've been in for we're, uh, a seven-week series where we're taking a 35,000-foot cruise over the landscape of the whole Bible. And, and we're trying to catch some of the, the big picture stuff, some of the contour of the scriptures. And, and here's something that we see over and over and over, regardless of where we've been uh, in the Bible, whether it's the Old Testament, the law, the prophets, and uh, the gospels, uh, the book of Acts today, um, we see that this invitation of God is, to, is one that invites us in to his story. Like, he doesn't just want uh, you and me and uh, uh, the others who will be here second service. He doesn't want us just to um, be in, uh, bystanders, you know. 
doesn't want us just to be uh, bench sitters. He wants us to uh, join in to his story. So today, as we're going to look at uh, some ways that we can engage in the story of God, um, we're going to look at what is often known as the New Testament letters, okay? In fact, uh, they're often known as epistles, but we don't really use that word epistles very much, do we? Um, epistles means letters, and uh, uh, imagine if we did talk that way. Um, you know, when I was in first grade, you know, I used to pass these love epistles to that girl, you know, and, uh, you know, do you like me? Check yes or no. No, it's not funny? I thought it was funny. As a pastor, sometimes I've had to write a few uh, epistles of recommendation, but... Or writing an epistle to the editor doesn't really have the same ring. But you get what I'm saying. Epistles are letters. So New Testament epistles are letters. Of the 26 books that make up our New Testament, uh, 21 of them are these letters. Okay? We call them books of the Bible, but 21 of them are not books. They're, they're letters. And uh, of those, uh, 13 or 14-ish of them were written by this guy named Paul. And now, if you have ever written a letter, I'm assuming you have, you know, uh, you write letters to different people or to groups of people or to organizations for a purpose, right? Not just randomly, I will write, I will, I will write someone a letter today, you know, and it, but you're going to write for a specific purpose, for a specific reason, and that's the same thing that we have in these New Testament letters, that purposes would vary, circumstances would vary, uh, but... Uh, but if I had to summarize the letters in one phrase, I would say that the New Testament letters teach the church how to live in light of the Jesus event. All right? So the purposes change, the circumstances change, but these, these letters were written to churches, they were written to individuals, and it's all to encourage the early church and, and the church today how to live in light of the Jesus event. So, so Jesus was, so what does that mean for us today. And for them, it was the thing that changed everything, that this Jesus guy came and he, he lived and he taught, he loved, he, he died on a cross, he, he was buried, he rose again on the third day. That changed everything for them. Now, remember what we're talking about in the Bible, if, if you've been with us, if you haven't been with us, we've been talking about how the whole Bible is like a, a, a signpost pointing towards Jesus. The Old Testament, through its different covenants and different laws and different relationships, was always pointing forward to something else, to something more. And uh, the Gospels, you know, where it tells the story of Jesus, is like, bing, 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 here he is, you know, and then the rest of the New Testament is pointing back to Jesus. So here we are. It's pointing back to Jesus how to live life in light of the Jesus event. So today, what I'm going to do, I'm going to try to summarize 21 letters, but we're going to look at a few passages in the book of Romans, okay? And uh, Romans was written by Paul, all right? He was uh, written to the church in Rome. It was um, a church he had not visited yet. He didn't start this church like he had started so many other churches. And he's writing them to assure that they know the truth. And we see that this is actually something pretty important, that, that we do have the right belief, that our belief is rooted in truth and something more. So what would happen is, is these churches would form, and then people would kind of creep in and start teaching some things that were just a little bit different or a little bit off. They would change it, twist it, tweak the message a little bit. And so Paul was saying, no, 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 like this is the truth we need to hold fast to. So he wrote for them that they can know the truth, they, they can know Jesus, that they uh, would have unity, all right? 
that the church could have unity, something very important in the church. And also, uh, it was also kind of like a somewhat of a financial support letter. He was writing to the church, and, and he was trying to go to Spain to go tell more people about Jesus, to go start more churches. And he's like, hey, you know, by the way, if you could help me go to Spain, that would be cool too. So, so those are some of the purposes that uh, Paul writes. And, and so I'm going to try to summarize some big ideas in three points about what it looks like to live in light of Jesus. And, and uh, as we live in the light of, Jesus, of the Jesus event, we see the first thing is this, that, that we live under grace. Now, grace is a word that we talk about a lot. It's something that uh, we, we chant, our rally cry, you know, and, um, and we, we love this idea of grace. But let's, let's read this passage, Romans 3, 22 to 26. Uh, he says, there is no difference between Jew and Gentiles. Remember, Gentiles are non-Jews. So the story of God up to this point, up until last week, was primarily for the Jews. That was how God was going to reveal himself. And so, uh, there, but now there's no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be re- received by faith. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance, he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. And so Paul, uh, sometimes people look at Romans as is like a really heavyweight theological book, and, and it, 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 most of it is, okay? There's a lot of these concepts that, are, um, that Paul is trying to look back at the work that Jesus did on the cross, and he's trying to connect that to what that means theologically and spiritually to our lives today and to the, the church at Rome uh, back then. And so what Paul's doing is he's connecting to the story of old. You know, the story of God that we've been talking about for six weeks now, that, that the, the Jews had God's revelation, their, God's law, and the Gentiles didn't. But guess what? At the end of the day, they're all in the same boat. They're all in the same boat, as he says, all have sinned. All have fallen short of the glory of God. Like the people with the law, the people with God's relationship, uh, special covenants, and, and the people without, that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And that means that, that people, that man, uh, haven't lived up to the way that God intended. That we didn't live up to the standard, to the measure, to the perfection that God uh, longed for everyone. And so we see this, that everyone, everyone, and that's, that's you and me, is in need. Every one of us is in need of something. So the, the law, the, the law, the Old Testament, looked forward to Jesus. And now Paul is saying that how God relates to us supersedes the, the way that God used to relate to his people. It supersedes the old, supersedes the law. And then in verse 24 and verse 25, um, Man, there's a bunch of heavyweight words there, okay? Like, these are some hugely theological words, you know? Like, huge, huge. And, uh, and uh, some of like words like justified. Words like grace. 
Words like redemption and atonement. Now, we don't have a whole lot of time to go through all these, but man, these words are, uh, Paul is painting this picture of some pretty marvelous and magnificent things that's going on between God and between us through Jesus. And so we see sin is powerful, but through God's love for us that he sent Jesus to pay our price, that we can be made right with God. So you have words like uh, grace. You know, grace is a gift. So I can give, give you a, a, a Christmas present. That's not something you earned. You know, it's something that was given to you. It's a gift, and it's a gift that causes joy. It's a gift that, that, that brings joy. And so, um, like one time I got a Christmas card uh, from, from a guy, uh, from a missionary. So he mailed it here to the church, right? And it was a, um, from Dominican Republic. And it was a glitter card. Right? I guess some between Dominican and Republic here all fell off of the card. And so I opened it and glitter bomb. Poof. So that was a gift that did not bring joy. Okay? It brought a lot of other things. All right? But uh, it didn't bring joy. But grace is a gift that brings joy. Um, uh, words like justified. Some people say an uh, uh, easy way to remember what justified means is uh, God treats us justified, never sinned. You get what I did there? Yep. God treats us justified, never sinned, or, or uh, it's where God declares us not guilty, or where God declares us as righteous. Now, that's pretty righteous, because I'm a pretty unrighteous guy, and God, this, where, he, where he justifies us, he calls us, you know what, man, you're righteous through, through my work, through my power, through the cross of Jesus. Uh, words like redemption. Man, we, we love redemption in our culture, right? But this word was a word that was used um, when someone would buy the freedom of a slave. Okay, they would be redeemed. And so someone was enslaved. Can you imagine being in slavery and then someone buying your freedom? Can you imagine what your first day of freedom would look like? And, and, and that was because, not because you earned it, but because someone paid that price for you. And so that, you see all these pictures that are, that are forming of, of God's work for us. And then atonement is another big word. And uh, this is like, refers to the sacrifice that Jesus makes. He appeases God's righteousness. He appeases God's justice. And that's why Paul writes that God is both just, but he's also the one that justifies. Think about that one for a minute. And so, when we talk about we live under grace, that's a big deal. That's a big deal. Like, we're no longer under law, under the old covenant, all, under all these things, you have to do this, this, and this, just right, or else. Now we're under grace where, man, the, the, God's love is reigning supreme, and now we live like this, this, and this, not because we're afraid for our life, but because God gave his life for us. So the law, old way of relating to God, now is through Jesus, through grace. That changed everything. And God deals with us through his great gift. And so when we live in light of God's grace that we find through Jesus, it should change. It should change us. And, and, and whether you're here today and you, you still have yet to, to, to trust this Jesus guy or you're still trying to figure him out or, or whether you've been following Jesus for, for uh, a good portion of your life, like we need to be reminded of the links that, that he went and constantly be encouraged and challenged uh, to see the beauty of redemption and, and justification of God's grace.
So as we live in light of the Jesus event, uh, you know, we, we reminded that we live under grace. The second thing, as we live in light of the Jesus event, is we see that we die to ourselves. Now, that doesn't sound super nice, does it? I like the grace thing a little bit better, to be honest, okay? But here, uh, another picture that we see in the New Testament over and over in the letters, over and over and over, is one that we die to ourselves. What does that mean? Like, to the things that I want, to the things that I think are important, to the things that, that uh, are part of my agenda. Um, Romans 6, we'll jump a couple chapters later, verse 1 through 5, um, Paul writes, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? Man, by no means. So real quick, uh, the context is like, if grace is free and, and God's handing out grace to those who trust in Jesus, then, then I could just keep sinning. You know, like, I mean, why change anything about life if, if I could just, you know, be forgiven by God's grace? And in fact, I'll take it a step further. If, if God's grace is a good thing, then I'll just let him use more of his grace. I'll, you know, I'll keep sinning, right? I'll keep, I'll keep sinning, I'll keep sinning. And so uh, that was kind of a mindset that some people were having, like, just, just go on, don't change anything. Um, God's grace will just increase. And Paul's like, puts on the brakes, by no means. No. Uh, in fact, uh, uh, the, I'm not sure, but I think the Spanish trans, Mexican Spanish translation is uh, no way, Jose. Okay, that's what it's right there. But... Uh, <laughs> But, <laughs> you're supposed to, okay, uh, uh, boo. <laughs> you throw tomatoes, I'll make salsa, that's okay. But he says, by no means, we are those who died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? So don't you know that all of you who are baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We are therefore buried with him through baptism into death. In order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, that we too may live a new life. For if we've been united with him in, his, in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. So speaking of grace, like the, the, these Roman Christians, this Roman church had fell into the, man, grace is free, I'm just going to eat it up. You know, I'm just going to let God show his grace and more sin means more grace. And, and they're like hype men for God's grace, they thought. But really, they are missing the whole point of grace and the whole cost of grace in the first place. It wasn't a license to sin. And, and, and if we're honest, sometimes this might be how we think today, right? Maybe not as blatantly. Maybe not quite as open and honest with it as that, but... Sometimes we view God's grace as a license to sin, as a license to not have to change. But the story of the scriptures, the story of God, is that we die to ourselves. Is that we die to ourselves. And that's not always fun. You know, it's not always fun. We can be honest. And, and Paul reminds them, remember, he's, he's writing to Christians, at, at, to the church. And so these are people that have been baptized. And, and he, he says, don't you remember your baptism? 
Like, you remember that? Like, there was something going on there. It wasn't just an event. You know, there, uh, there, this is where you were identifying with Christ. And, and you see the picture being played out of, of one of death and burial and resurrection. And, and so to baptize, if you don't know what it means, is, is, is where people are immersed. They're dunked underwater. It's where we identify with Jesus. And uh, in that process, we're seeing the death, the burial, and resurrection being played out. An outward, you know, gesture that's showing what's happening spiritually, what's happening uh, inside. We die to sin, we're buried, and we're raised to live in a new life, as Paul says. And so, because of the crucifixion of Jesus, we're united with him in his death. All right? And just as Christ who died, rose again, man, we have that hope, and we have that promise too. It's where we are identified with Jesus. It's where we're identified with Jesus. Uh, um, so grace is still there, you know? Like, grace is still there. Like, are you going to need it? Yeah, you're going to need some grace? Yeah, definitely. Like, we still will always struggle. We'll still always mess up. We'll, we'll still always uh, be reminded of our fallenness over and over and over far too many times. But we need to be reminded of the magnitude of God's grace so we don't misuse it. So we don't take advantage of it. And so God calls us to die to our old self. In fact, when, uh, we remember our baptism is a, a picture of us dying. But it's also a picture of us being raised to live in a new life. And that changes everything. And so uh, the third thing is we live in the light of Jesus. We live out the way of Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. We live out the way of Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now we're going to jump back to Romans chapter 13. A lot of the letters, they'll start out sometimes a little bit more theological or doctrinal. Then they'll turn at, towards the end more practical. It's like, because this is true, now you need to live like this. And so not all of them, but most of them are like that. Um, so Romans 13, uh, verses 8 through 10. Again, I just had to pick a, a section in there um, that kind of highlights us um, living out the way of Jesus. But he writes, Let no debt remain outstanding except the continued debt to love one another. For whoever loves has fulfilled the law. So you're never going to pay that one up. Keep loving, all right? You don't love to a point, then you're done. Keep going. The, these, the, the commandments. So now, he, remember, he's going back to the old, the old stuff, right? He says, you shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not covet. And whatever other command there may be, they're summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of of the law. And so he's quoting the Old Testament here. Also, you may remember that Jesus quoted the, a lot of these passages from the Old Testament as well. And he's saying that, that because God is who he is and because he sent Jesus to do what he did, now we are to love. Love is, uh, is, the, is the, the great commandment. and great Love is the fulfillment of the purpose of the law. And so Jesus died, we die with him, we begin to look more and more and more like him. And church, here, here's my challenge, is, is, is as a church, are we looking more and more and more like Jesus? Or are we continue to be content looking, eh, just like myself? 
That's something that we need to come to grips with. Like We can try really, really hard in our own power to change, only to be met with failure and frustration because we're trying to be better. Or we can die to ourselves and allow him to transform us through his grace and through the power of his Holy Spirit that's given to believers. And we rely on his grace daily for the change. So the letters are a call to us. They're a reminder for us. They're a, it's, a, it's a challenge. It's also a, an encouragement for us to, to continue to look like Jesus. And that's going to be a journey. No one's saying we snap our fingers and then everything's perfect. Those places where we fall, our Heavenly Father is gracious. Jesus paid the price for that. We rely on Him. But we don't abuse that. And so... It's easy to lose sight, you know? It's as if there's something working against us, you know? Uh, it, like, maybe we grow, we grew up in church, and, and then it becomes all too familiar, all too comfortable, you know? And we tend to, to forget God's, oh, yeah, God's grace. Oh, yeah, the cross. We take the Lord's Supper every week, and, and we forget the magnitude uh, that, that God went through, like cross, death by cross, you know? We forget what that means. Or we grew up, or, or maybe we eventually grow comfortable with God's grace and we still want it, but we forget the cost. Um, we, but the New Testament letters are meant to shake us up, to remind us who we are, who Jesus is, and what he's done, and the call for us to change, to be transformed in the likeness of him. So I want to ask you this question today. Have you allowed the Jesus event to change everything for you? Have you allowed the Jesus event to change everything for you? Like, are you living in light of God's grace? Are you living under grace? Have you died to yourself? Are you living out the Jesus way by the power of the Holy Spirit? And if the answer to these is no, man, you can live the rest of your life where you are right now, but you're not allowing the thing that can change everything to change you. You can wake up and do the same thing tomorrow that you did today, that you did last week, but God calls us to be on a trajectory that grows more and more and more like him and uh, some, not use grace as an excuse just to stay where we are, but to grow. That way we'll be people who are more like him next year and be people who are closer uh, to being more like him next month and in, in a decade because Jesus wants to change everything for you.